welcome to this episode of The Dealer Playbook, a podcast that explores what it takes to create a thriving career right here in the retail auto industry. I'm your host, Michael Cirillo. I'm so excited that you're here, especially to hear my conversation with my pal, Bill Zedites. He's the president at Cherokee Media Group. We're talking about used cars. Well, I think this has been a long time coming. I've been on your podcast. I've spoken at your event, which by the way, you guys... Uh, I mean, auto remarketing puts on amazing events. Cherokee Media, you guys, I mean, you guys know what's Thanks, what man. when it comes to events. Uh, you guys have some exciting things coming up that we'll we'll talk about a little bit later in the episode. But I just want to thank you for taking the time to join me on the dealer playbook. Uh, I've got questions on questions because I know someone that sits in your seat. Um, I mean, like I just picture you with your finger out because it's always on the pulse. Of, of what's happening in the industry. I want to talk to you about the used car market specifically. Um, obviously, we've, we've just gotten on this roller coaster that we didn't know we were going to get on. Right. We don't remember when we paid the admission to get onto this, this we, ride. We want to get off. We want to get off, <laughs> get off real quick. <laughs> but nobody's telling us really what we need to know to get off. Um, but from your vantage point, what what's kind of been the the saving grace of all of this, if anything? I mean, I've seen you know in your in your August issue of Auto Remarketing, there was an article. Um, I can't remember his name. He's from JD Power. He talked about certified pre-owned and how a lot of attention has gone there. What are you seeing from, from where you sit? Well, I mean, I think that, man, I mean, there's so many different market conditions and, you know, percentages and, you know, different things of that nature we could talk about. But I, I, you know, I think this industry and, and Michael, I mean, you know, this as well as or better than everybody. I mean, it's people, man. I mean, it really is people. Now, we've been fortunate. I think that, um, you know, especially when you look at used car sales, I think that uh, there was obviously some pent-up demand coming out of, you know, the spring um, as markets started to open and, and all those types of things. But, you know, I think at the at the end of the day, just the, the will of the people to say, okay, um, the way we used to do business is not going to work in this environment. So what do we need to do? What's it going to take to, uh, to change and to, and to do what it takes, basically, uh, or to do whatever it takes um, to do that? So I think that I think the foundation of it underlying is just a lot of really great people that work in this industry um, uh, across the board. And, yeah. and I think that's the foundation of it. And then built on top of that, there have been some, you know, some good things to happen. Um, you know, uh, in light of, of all the bad things that they kind of have hit us and continue to kind of still fall into, into the market. We've been fortunate that, you know, I think on a, on a macro level, especially, um, you know, there's been a lot of, uh, of money flowed into and invested into the system macro level. And I think, that, and that's not to, not to say that, man, I mean, my heart goes out to some of these small business owners. I mean, man, if you owned a restaurant or, gosh, uh, God forbid, a bar, I yeah. mean, man, you, you I mean, I, 
I don't know the best business owner that says, hey, we need to go in this year with probably 12 months of operating capital and, and, and we'll see what happens. I mean, it's just, it's just, tar- you know, it's terrible right. from, from that aspect of it. So I feel for them, but, you know, from an automotive industry standpoint, I think great people, um, you know, good, bad, or indifferent. I think that there are a lot of people that either looked at mass transportation or ride sharing transportation or, you know, whatever that may be and said, Hey, I, you know, I don't know if I'm going that direction right now. So I'm going to look at this, you know, this used vehicle and, and that opportunity. So I think there are a lot of different things that kind of add on to that. But, um, but I would say definitely in our conversations, it's just been, you know, the, uh, the people in the industry that have kind of rallied together and said, okay, what do we do to make this work? How do we make this work? What can we do? And then with some fortuitous uh, bounces of the ball, uh, if you will, mm-hmm. um, we find ourselves in not a not necessarily a great spot right now, but man, it sure could be worse. Yeah, absolutely. As you're as you're saying all of this, what rings true to me is a, a couple of things you've said that that I love, and I'm having flashbacks to Toronto, <laughs> standing on stage. At the peak of as good as things could have been in front of, gosh, I don't know how many dealers you had in that room. Let's say a thousand, you know, maybe, maybe 500, maybe, I don't know what the the actual number was, but there were a lot. Probably somewhere, somewhere in between there. Yeah. Looking at a sea of dealers and they think they're about to get a marketing talk and I share with them. Basically what you just said, and I think this is why it resonates with me, that the biggest fish is not being disturbed or disrupted. The bigger fish is not your competitor who has more capital. The bigger fish is not Carvana. It's what you what you started this whole conversation with, people, the customer, right. the customer, the person that is taking their hard-earned dollars out of their pocket in exchange for something that, that you see valuable. And the other thing that you just said, which really uh, resonates with me is that, and I think this is a positive thing is it, it, it has refocused us as an industry on the Mm -hmm. fact that we don't sell metal. We sell freedom. What you, what you just said about mass transportation and people going, ah, and and choosing to go the, to 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 own a vehicle that to me says wait there is way more utility in having a vehicle than i think we all realize like we all took for granted the 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 ability we have to move around in something that, that we own and so um you know so this is just super fascinating to me uh it's also i think not to get all spiritual or whatever but like nothing short of miraculous to see how quickly consumer confidence returned yeah even though we're still in the midst of all of this sure what's your what's your take on that like why do you what do you think has been driving that you know i think it's i think it's a lot of different things i mean i think that um you know you mentioned um you know what we took for granted and man how long is that list right now i mean you know even a year ago when things are going well we probably could have you know sat down at the end of the conference and you know taken our jackets off and been man you know what am i thankful for what have i taken for granted but i have got to tell you i mean i i would say my list has grown 
substantially since a year ago um, from from that standpoint. And again, it goes back to people. I mean, you know, I, I look at our small company, you know, from that standpoint and, you know, the things uh, that our team has done um, collectively, individually, um, man, they've all had to make some sacrifices along the way. And, um, yeah, but still to show up every day or to, to log on every day or, you know, to whatever, whatever that looks like. Um, and we do have a few people in and out of the office, sure. um, for sure. And, and that's been great. It's been great to be able to have that, that collaboration and those conversations. But, um, you know, I think that, I think that it's, you know, what we did take for granted. I mean, for in so, in so many ways. And, and I think that when you look at going forward, um, to, you know, pertinent to our conversation, I mean, as you said, that the freedom of a vehicle, um, when you are basically at some points during the last five or six months told not to go anywhere, you know, you need to stay home yeah. for everyone's good. For yeah. your own good, for the collective good, for your, you know, the good of your kids, your parents, your neighbors, your friends, your business, all these things. And um, and I think that there's a part of us, you know, it's kind of wired into our DNA that whether it's a bike or a motorcycle or your, you know, your SUV or whatever, it does give you that freedom. You know, I mean, there were there were times, you know, four or five months ago when, you know, you, you had to get suited up to go to the grocery store and that was all great. But, hey, man, we're going out. You know, we're we're, we're headed out to the grocery store. <laughs> oh, praise God. I mean, this is like amazing. Right. I mean, you're like, I'm not going to get everything today because I might want to go back again on Wednesday, you know, yeah. and just check it out. You know, there might be some new stuff at the grocery store. Where typically for me, I mean, it's like, okay, you know, babe, what can I pick you up on the way home? You know, happy to do it. I don't really mean it. Yeah. <laughs> I do. I do right. mean it. But I'm like, please don't make me stop at the grocery. But now, I mean, it's like, hey, let's go to the grocery store. Man, this is awesome. Let's run through the drive-thru. <laughs> I know. It's awesome. Let's you, get a Chick-fil-A. Oh, my I, gosh. I used to remember growing up, my, my parents would be like, hey, we're, we're just going to go run out for a drink real quick. And they would just go to McDonald's drive-thru. And I'm like. These have got to be the most lame people I have ever met in my entire life. And now I find my wife, my wife, by the way, who I think is an 86 year old trapped in a 35 year old's body, wrote a letter to McDonald's because (laughs) they were late on dollar drink days. Nice. Because it it wasn't even necessarily about dollar drink days. It was about I got nowhere else to go. Yeah. All my wife and I can do is hop in the car, stay in the car. And, and, and if that means a, a little bit of relief is going through the drive through, like you just said, then, then so be it. And now I've, right. now I've realized, I guess that was the first lesson is you're right. Like the list of what we take for granted, the utility of a vehicle, the freedom of a vehicle, especially at a time like this. The second thing I learned is that we all become our parents. <laughs> We totally do. <laughs> Absolutely. And you know, that oh also puts gosh. it into perspective, right? Because I look at, I look at my grandfather. He was born in 1916. Yeah. His dad fought in world war one. He grows up, he fights in world war two. He's on the front lines of world war two for the entire duration of the war. Um, and then that war ends and then there's what, what is it? Vietnam, Korea, Libya, Middle East, Iraq. Like yeah. His entire life was the world at war. 
And now we're dealing with this thing and it's awful and we want to do our part and we're going to definitely make the history books for sure. Right. Um, but it's in a way been, been kind of a blessing because I think a lot of people have, have focused on what matters most, or they've been given a cause to focus on what matters most. Dealers have been, you know, yeah, they've been dialing back, whether it's their marketing or whether it's whatever it might be, but it's because they finally went, whoa, we need to adapt and change. And I think a really positive thing is we realized how quickly an industry can actually start to, when we're put under pressure, man, we adapt and we evolve. Yeah. And you hear about other industries who are still like behind the eight ball and we're six months into this deal. And it's like, what do I do? And, and to see how quickly dealers from coast to coast just were like, no, no, okay. Change process. Right. It's pretty spectacular. Right. It really is. It really is. And I think that, you know, I think that that, that runs, you know, especially when we talk about the used car market. I mean, I think that runs from the retail side, which is exactly what you're talking about and what they had to do on the retail side, clear through the whole process um, onto the, into the wholesale market. I mean, because, man, even, you know, not that long ago, you know, when you said something like uh, the word auto auction, all you thought about was, you know, a thousand people standing in all these lanes, you know, bidding on vehicles that were being driven through one at a time, you know, and the excitement of it and, you know, the game day atmosphere of that, which was an, an adrenaline rush. And to have all of that process really go to a digital platform completely. And now there's some, you know, they're beginning to, to do some in-person stuff where it makes sense. But, um, you know, the, on the, you look at new cars, I mean, man, it's still some of the production is, is slow to catch up. Um, some of these factories are not running at 100%. Um, so used cars are critically important, you know, to, to the dealership world. Franchise dealerships, obviously independent dealers no matter what right they've got to have that inventory and um and of course you know we can talk about some market conditions i mean you know wholesale prices are high you know right now they're strong i mean some of the um inventories are getting tighter you know on on dealer lots um and this is true for north america not just in canada you know not right. it's, it's true for nor a north american picture which, um, you know, which is beginning to cause some things. Everyone, you know, a few weeks ago was talking about, oh, my gosh, I can't imagine. What if Hertz has to sell all of these cars? Right. And now they're like, man, I wish Hertz would sell some more cars and, and bring that inventory back into the system. So it's really it really has been amazing. I mean, the industry took a, a – I'm almost tired of the word pivot. And I don't know a better word, uh, but I'll apologize for using the word pivot. It's really become the buzzword. But, mm -hmm. I mean, you know, for right now, that's I'll, I'll say that. I mean, it was a tremendous pivot into a completely digital atmosphere. And um, and you're right, man. The customers came back. You know, thank goodness. I mean, thank goodness the customers came back and continue to come back, which is, uh, which is awesome. Yeah, it's amazing. And that's why I like – when you when you kind of look at the timeline and the media is saying, buckle up, man. Yeah, I get it. Like a lot of people have lost their jobs and my heart goes out to them. I, you know, we pray for them, everything. And it's, I mean, the, the numbers are horrific, but then to see the number of people that quickly return to market yeah, and, and still maintain, I mean, 
that to me sheds some light on how blessed we actually are. Yeah. Maybe it's not this way worldwide. Maybe it is, but I know we are definitely blessed to live in North America. It's unreal. No doubt. Um, No doubt. What impact is this going to have over the next, I don't know, three to five years, do you think? I mean, shortage in production, wholesale is strong. There's a yeah. demand. We need used cars. Like, what do you, what do you think is going to happen? Like, the, the, I would love to believe in my, all of my optimism that this won't. This will not be the the what is it? The butterfly effect that causes us to be like Cuba, where we're all just driving in like nineteen. Yeah. You know. Oh, the last year you could get was the twenty fifteen <laughs> man, and now we're in twenty eighty and still driving twenty fifteens. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I, gosh, man. I mean, three to five years. That's a that's a that's a great question. I, I don't know really, but I think that you know at least you know as we look out a little more near term, I think that we will begin to see obviously production get closer to where maybe it was. So we'll see that the new car production begin to normalize if that's the right word or or maybe you know come back to where it was um on the used car side again we're talking about inventory and how people are sourcing inventory i mean you know there have been you know very few if any repossessions to this point you know every because all the governmental officials i know you know we're going to put a stop on repossessions which on a human level, you say, yeah, man, that makes a lot of sense. People are struggling. You know, they can't get to their jobs and they're, they're not earning yeah. what they were earning. And so, yeah, that makes sense. But but then the, the larger scale of that is that there are banks and, you know, uh, captive finance companies and these other in, uh, finance companies that are not getting paid, you know, necessarily for those vehicles. So I think that we will begin to see a slow pickup in, in repossessions, which will um, – um, feed, you know, kind of that used car market, if you will. And the other thing with that, and this is a really from more of a captive standpoint, is that what we saw in the same vein, and again, no criticism of this at all. I mean, it was the right thing to do where leases were extended. So if you had a lease come and due at the end of April of this year, um, no problem. We're just going to extend that. We're not going to, you know, we're not going to bring that car back into the uh, the market. We're not going to remarket that vehicle. We're just going to extend that lease. And so some of those things are expiring. So you have some repossessions, you have, um, you know, lease extensions, you have some of these uh, other vehicles, whether it's a Hertz or whatever it might be, defleeting, if you will, that's going to feed some of the market. And so while the wholesale market is is just you know, really outperformed in terms of the numbers and dealers are paying big dollars, you know, the full, the full amount for, for that inventory. Um, you know, that you probably could see some softening uh, of that as we move forward a bit. And, um, you know, I, I don't think the dealers would be, I don't want to speak for them because I'm not one, but I think that as they see some wholesale prices begin to uh, soften a little bit, I think that, uh, that would just encourage them even more so. Right. Um, uh, because everyone, I mean, still, I think that, um, you know, this generation, our generation understands for the most part, the value of a certified pre-owned vehicle um, and what comes with that. And so I think that those value propositions are going to be there for the long term. Um, I think there are always going to be people that want the the new and shiny and we need that. I mean, we, we need people to buy new cars 
because uh, on the used car side of things, that's the uh, you know that's the first piece of the manufacturing process of a used car mm-hmm. is to get that new car sold, right? Yeah. And so we need that. We need those leases going. So um, I think we'll see some of that long term. That's you know, man, that's a great question. I don't know that I have uh, the wisdom to really to really go out long term, but I but I think that we're going to see some of these things and. And I'd, I'd love to know your opinion too. Like, uh, you know, what's going to stick from this digital retailing revolution and, and that type of thing? I, it'd be really interesting because I, I hear some people say, "Man, this is this is you know, changed the tide dramatically, and it's really helped." And and then I, you know, I'll read something else like, "Man, people love people are loving coming back into the stores. They are they want to come in here and see these vehicles." And yeah. maybe the maybe the truth is somewhere in between. I don't know. I, I think so. I think. Um well, you're always going to have that. As long as we're dealing with people, you're going to have those that are in denial, like 100%, who are just cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. Um, and so maybe they think it's better than it is. Who knows? Maybe it's not. Like maybe those there are those that see it clearly. But I, I, I think um, that those who adapt are going to be much better off than like if if you're in denial and you haven't had the wake up call through all of this yeah i don't know what to tell you yeah um, that's a tough one it, it is a tough one the the other thing though and i was curious your opinion on it no sorry let me just finish that train of thought because you said digital retail and i went everybody because that's the other buzz right digital retail and what do they say i, I mean they say oh digital retail carvana and it's mm. like no 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 BDC, B- BDC like Carvana, right? Like you think you think you remember back in the the old day the Disney cartoons where the the bird what was it like a pelican or whatever would deliver the baby on the doorstep? <laughs> yeah, the stork. Yeah, yeah, the stork. That's what it is. You think just like the Carvana stork is just going to come and drop that golden coin on your front lawn and then you can take it and put it into an actual vending? Like, come on, there's a BDC powering this business um what helping you with your financing helping you with all it like i don't think people realize what's happening on the back end of a company like that and so when it comes to Mm. digital retail here is my fear dpb gang assemble from around the world and hear my fear that digital retail and the companies that produce a digital because dude i can't wait till nada right going to be digital retail out the wazoo yeah that are going to be these quasi frustrating technological whatever makeshift applications now don't get me wrong there's some finance companies and there's like there are people pushing the envelope but i think this is this could be my fear is this could be the next thing that everybody latches onto to the degree that all the big box providers start providing their iteration of digital retail and it's going to leave so many people screwed up why your first point the foundation of anything to do with commerce is people right and 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 there's going to be so many dealers sadly that are going to buy into this three thousand dollar a month package or whatever it's going to be you know it's going to be high it's not going to be cheap for the dealer they're going to buy into this have no back-end process to support it, piss more customers off than they can handle, and this will be a resurgence of that negative stigma in the car industry that we have worked tirelessly 
gentlemen like you, me, phenomenal people like Subi Ghosh or, or, or Lisa Copeland or whoever that have worked tirelessly, Carrie Reese Wise, to, to kill that Glenn Lundy, right? Like all these people that have worked tirelessly to kill that stigma, it's going to resurface because there's going to be so many dealers all over the place offering this patched together band-aided thing that the vendor promised them would lasso the sun, the moon, and the stars. So that's my fear right? with all of that. Just neglect of people. Um, but on the flip side of things, do I think we're headed to a place where you can just do the whole thing online? Yeah. I mean, like there are companies out there like AutoFi, right? I went through sure. AutoFi with my Ford dealer, one of my clients who, when I was like, I want that truck. And they were like, cool, here's the app. And I filled it out. And 90 seconds later, I'm approved. And four days later, there's a truck sitting in my driveway from, you know, one of my clients that's out of province kind of a thing. That was, I, yeah, I think we're headed in that direction. And so there are companies that are going to push the envelope. There are those that are just going to jellyfish, leech, yeah. you know, poison everything. And so that's my, that's my fear with that. Now, one thing I wanted to talk to you about right? Kind of on this, this whole people thing and the value of CPO, we've kind of talked to the um, incentive side of CPO and that people know the value of purchase, purchasing certified pre-owned. Do you think that some of it as well, though, is a shift in consumer expectation where yeah, okay, there's there's a decline in production of new vehicles, and we understand that people need to buy new vehicles. But do you think it's also like, hey, a year ago I wanted all the bells and whistles, and now that all of this has happened, I think – do you think consumers are kind of backing up a little bit and saying, well, I'd be happy with – 80% of those things and maybe a three-year-old vehicle that still has all of the stuff I want. Yeah, it definitely could be, definitely could be, you know, I think that, you know, one of the, one of the drivers in it is certainly, you know, the financial incentive, right? Because, you know, if you're going to go with CPO, you're probably going to have some sort of captive um, incentive, whether it's a, you know, zero percent or whatever that might be. You've got the uh, service contract warranty on top of that. But I also think, and I think I, I, this is this is through the generations, but I think that in our generation in particular, we have seen the cost of a new car or a new truck. You know, you want the brand new GMC Denali, mm-hmm. and you're going to pay more for that than our parents paid for their second house, not their first house. <laughs> I mean, it's going to be, it could be an $80,000 truck, right? I mean, it's it's really amazing. And if you say, okay, well, good, you know, I need the, you know, the, uh, you know, 116 month, whatever finance on that. I mean, you're still going to put a grand a month into that. I mean, which is incredible really to think about it from that standpoint. So I do think that from a value, let's say just from a value standpoint, when you, when you're a lot of consumers, when they're gauging that value, they, we've, and we've all been taught this, right? As soon as it rolls off the curb, it loses half its value, whatever. But the fact that, you know, these vehicles are lasting longer, they're built better they do still come with a number of the quote unquote bells and whistles that you're talking about. And it's not $80,000. Uh, and I, and I think that, you know, even, and this is my experience and I, I don't know a ton of people who just have all the money in the world to burn, but right. you know, a couple of them and even more so than 
the average person, they are very aware of value and how much something costs. And, and I think in part, they've been very successful because of that, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I, I, they look at a new car and go, my goodness, that's, you know, I love that new, you know, navigator. But my goodness, man, that is an expensive vehicle, right? It's beautiful. It totally decked out, gorgeous, absolutely. But a three-year-old Navigator or a three-year-old Tahoe or whatever you're buying, still a great buy, still a great buy. So I do think there's some value proposition there. And I think that the cost of vehicles has something to do with it. It's, yeah. it's really astronomical. Yeah. And, and I mean, the tech that's involved is really driving a lot of that too, right? I mean, it's just who would have ever thought, um, but still a high price point. Yeah. Well, and vehicles now are just computers. Right. You know, when I look at right. my wife drives a Hyundai Palisade, yeah. you know, that, and it drives itself and it does all the, and you go, dude, this ain't a vehicle anymore. This is a, this is, it's a, this is Star Trek. We like, this is one step closer to Star Trek. In my mind, I don't know where your mind goes, but my mind immediately goes to somebody could hack this. Right. <laughs> I mean, it's just immediately like, oh my gosh, we will be driving down the highway. Yeah. Well, to that point, to that point, it's funny you bring that up because in the Palisade, you can put on the, the, whatever they call it, adaptive cruise control. You can take your hands off the steering wheel and that thing will steer on its own for two and a half minutes. And then it'll go, boop, 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 put your hands back on the steering wheel. I've tested this because I'm a nerd. You can actually leave your hands off that steering wheel, even though it's beeping at you, because ultimately the vehicle doesn't want you to die. Right. Or at least that's the way they've programmed it. Hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. Now, there does come a time where I have to put my hands on the vehicle. To the point of hacking, though, there's already a company out there that has created a device that bypasses the internal flash of the vehicle, essentially, that just lets you go. And so... That is a quote unquote legal way to ha- that that somebody has already discovered how to hack the system. So you're right. right. It is interesting what's going to happen when all vehicles are just computers with four wheels. I mean, Teslas are unreal. You get this software oh update, and now the vehicle turns into Bumblebee from the Transformers. It's it's amazing. It's amazing. And it, and and while the technology is really cool, especially for kind of a tech nerd like myself, that that is also an interesting thing. And also to the point of, of pre-owned, I mean, all of this stuff is coming out. Admittedly, when I bought my 19 F-150, I was super stoked. And then they show, you know, images of the 2020. And I'm like, I want that Dude, one. Dude, this one has a <laughs> desk in it. <laughs> this one's got a bigger screen. However, I hear you, man. I guess my, my whole point and kind of consumer expectation is, and and with the pandemic, Dialing it back and focusing on what matters most, kind of to what you were you were speaking on, of hundred thousand dollars or forty thousand dollars, we have to realize a five year old vehicle to whoever buys it is is pristine and gorgeous. Like it is still a beautiful, yeah. beautiful vehicle. I had it an is. experience with this where. Um, when I bought my Palisade, I was going to trade in our 2010 Nissan Pathfinder. Like yep. when they were still rugged, not now when they kind of look like a little bit of a marshmallow, but like when they still yeah. kind of had that rugged off. 
and it had some dings. There was a scratch on one side. There was all these, you know, there was a little, a couple of the little rust spots and there's a big crack in the windshield. I mean, you know, I live in Alberta. It's the prairie <laughs> winter here, lots of trucks on the road. And I thought, nobody's going to buy this thing. I'm going to have to fix the windshield. I'm going to have to get that, you know, the rust repair, the, all these sorts of things. The dealership didn't want it. They're like, you know, we're going to have to put more work into it than it's worth. Um, try and sell it privately. I was hesitant. And this is during COVID, right? Oh, wow. This was just uh, two and a half weeks ago. Um, I listed it on Facebook Marketplace. I'm not exaggerating. Over 300 messages from people. Oh, my gosh. I've got cash. I will buy it right now. I was like, <laughs> That's awesome. people getting mad at me because I couldn't respond to them fast enough. Yeah, yeah, I wrote a cool story about it. Like the VDP description was amazing. <laughs> thing, yeah, still, award winner. Yeah, award yeah, yeah. winner there, right? Best selling VDP. But, <laughs> but you know what made me think? The things uh, yeah. that I cared about or thought I cared about, dude, that was somebody else's treasure. And I had people lining up. I'll be there right now, cash in hand. Yeah. Don't yeah. don't sell it. I got it. It's mine. And and it was unreal. And so I almost it, it made me think, wow, like has it always been this way? Or is it just the fact that people have maybe dialed back their expectations a little bit amidst all of this? They still know they need something, they need the utility of the vehicle, and they're willing to overlook some of the maybe cosmetic feature uh damages or whatever there might be. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I think we'd have to admit, you know, just again, going back to our world, let's just say we're talking North America, U.S., Canada. We are spoiled, man. We're so spoiled. I mean, just with everything, I mean, from A to Z, right, or A to Z, right? I'm on a Canadian yeah, there you uh, go. podcast, right? <laughs> um but, you know, I think, I think that if you think that way and you start to say, man, you know, do I need this third or fourth vehicle? Do, you know, all these other things, whatever that is, you know, whatever that list is in your head, um, it, it really does. You know, I think that you're, it's a great point. I mean, this time frame has really forced um, a lot of people to reevaluate, um, you know, what truly is important. What do I need um, versus what I want? What can I, you know, truly, you know, in a vehicle or whatever it might be, a used vehicle, this is an awesome car. This is a great car. I don't need necessarily to get to this kind of thing. So I think you're right. I think there's a little bit of that. They see value. They're also reevaluating. And to your point earlier, man, unfortunately, there, there are a lot of people who their income has been impacted negatively, right? Or, or, or maybe they've lost a job or, you know, maybe through no fault of their own, their company, you know, unfortunately went out of business. I mean, there's the, the list goes on and on. Um, you know, so you and I were talking just before this, man, I'm just thankful, you know, for where we are, uh, it could be a lot worse. And so, um, I think all of those things kind of add into it for sure. Amazing. Uh, I have a couple more questions for you along the lines of what dealers should be focusing on in your opinion. I mean, somebody right. that sits in your seat, like I said, has a ton of 
views. Like, I mean, you're getting information on retail, on wholesale, on finance, on vendors, on like you, you just, I don't, I, I would be scared to jump into your mind just to see the amount of like data and information that flies <laughs> to you. Know. So I'm going to ask you that, but that question is going to be reserved for my exclusive DPB pro community. If you want access to the question and the answer from a man, Bill Zedites. You need to apply for membership in that group. It's free, but it's it's a community that is growing with like-minded individuals who are positive, who are making big things happen, who want to collaborate, and who want to get the best information. So I'm going to ask Bill that question in just a minute. Uh, after the fact, if you want access, you need to apply for access over at thedealerplaybook.com forward slash DPB Pro. Bill, man, thanks so much for joining me on this episode of the podcast. Where can those listening get in touch with you? And by the way, tell us about all the stuff you've got going on. Oh, yeah, man. No, I appreciate it. Uh, man, thank you for the invite. Um, ever since we sat down a couple of years ago, at least face to face at NADA and just had a really, you know, a good conversation. I've been looking forward to being on the podcast, man. So congrats to you on the success. I know it's, it's a rocket ship. So happy for you on, on everything there. You know, um, yeah, our company, you know, really operates in the media side you know, of the automotive industry and, and really on the B2B side, right? So we focus exclusively on the used car markets with a number of different titles but certainly Auto Remarketing Canada up uh, in your neck of the woods is uh, is our primary media source there. And we had, uh, oh man, we had a great live event planned for June. And, and unfortunately, just because of the circumstances, unable to do that. But we do have, um, again, I'm going to use this word, so forgive me. We made a pivot and we we're doing a digital event for Auto Remarketing Canada. Uh, and it's uh, coming up in September where we've got two great weeks of content uh, for for dealers and, and for executives that are in the used car space. And so um, we've got our dealer training week, September 14th through the 18th. And then we'll come back the, the next week, September 21st through the 25th with our remarketing, our wholesale, our auto finance and analysis content. And um, people can learn more about that at autoremarketingcanada.com um, or shoot me an email. Shoot me a text. I think my LinkedIn uh, profile is included here too. I'd love to hear from you. But uh, we're excited about that. It's uh, it's cool to be able to do it that way. I mean, but it's not as cool as you know us having uh, Michael come and uh, and wow the audience for a full forty five or fifty minutes with uh, with his wisdom. But uh, but you know what? We're going to make the best of it in terms of what we've got. We have some great speakers, some great trainers, and um, and really excited about having that uh, later in September. So I appreciate the opportunity to mention it, Matt. Amazing. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. I'd love to be able to check it out September 14th to the 18th for training week. Right. That's it. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. We're going to link that all up in the show notes. Definitely go check that out. Bill, thanks so much for joining me on the Daily Playbook. Mike, great seeing you, man. <laughs>